Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Health officials say St. Louis will likely reach the peak of its coronavirus curve uh, this weekend. And that makes a new report by St. Louis Public Radio health reporter Sarah Fenton extremely timely. She talked to some emergency room physicians. They talked about the fears they face and the precautions they're taking during this pandemic. And joining me now to talk about it is Sarah Fenton. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. So, Sarah, your piece was so striking in that we heard about some of the anxieties these physicians face. And it it seems somewhat unusual to see doctors opening up like that. Were they pretty frank about these fears? They really were. And, you know, it's not something that I'm used to talking to doctors about as as a health reporter. I'm used to talking about, you know, health problems and not really like their own personal feelings. I think especially emergency room doctors, they're in these incredible stressful situations and they see trauma, they see the sickest patients all day and they are very good at kind of just going to work and doing their job and kind of sort of separating their feelings out. But I think the coronavirus is making it, a you know, like I think one of the sources I talked to was an ER doc and he said, this is a new reality. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, a different situation for them that is making them sort of more, they're concerned about their own health, they're concerned about their family's health, they're concerned about sort of the stress that's going to be put on hospitals, they're concerned about, you know, like people losing their jobs because of money getting lost. And so it's, it's hitting them on a more personal level than I think sort of the normal job would. Mm-hmm. And some of the things they talked to you about were things I had just never thought about. We all know that healthcare providers are at some increased risk for this. We've seen like young and healthy ones dying in, in places like New York. But one of the very specific things they sort of walked you through that was eye-opening for me, they talked about the danger of performing intubations on people who have COVID-19. Help us understand what's going on with those. What makes those was particularly scary for physicians. Right. And so intubation, um, it's the medical word for basically exactly what it sounds. It's when someone gets a tube put down their throat, their trachea, and um, sort of it's a way to get oxygen into your lungs. And so um, as most people know by now, uh, the coronavirus is spread through uh, droplets and aerosols of 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 uh, the virus that kind of they they're on basically your spit droplets right mm. and so when you breathe or when you cough and so when someone is putting a tube down a coronavirus patient's throat to help them breathe because the virus mostly attacks people's uh, a big place that it attacks is people's lungs and that makes it hard to breathe that's why we're hearing so much about ventilators and respirators and um and so someone sticks a tube down the patient's throat, and that means that there's, you know, there can be a lot of coughing uh, that mm. can release. A, uh, when you intubate someone, it can release a lot of those droplets, those dangerous droplets. They spray into the air, and one of the interesting things that I I learned is that um, doctors have these special kind of like glass. Well, they're not glass, but they're clear, like acrylic cubes. And they're like, they have holes for someone's arms. And so you can put the cube over the patient to sort of like wall them off. And then the, you know, whoever is doing the intubation, I don't know if it would be a doctor or a tech or a nurse, um, but they put their hands through the holes in the cube and that way they can intubate the patient um, without, you know, and the, the glass blocks 
a lot of those droplets from getting out or maybe all, I don't know for sure, but hmm. the way to keep people safe. They also use like a, like they can use like a plastic sheet that they put over too. There's a lot of different ways that, that doctors can be kept safe during that procedure. It's interesting how creative they're having to get. And, and it sounds like one of the reasons for that is that protective gear at this point is being rationed. W- what is your sense of how bad the situation is as far as that goes with the physicians you talk to? A thing that came up among most of the doctors that I talked to and a lot of medical professional professionals that I've talked to and epidemiologists um, throughout this crisis is that St. Louis has a benefit to being a so-called flyover state because mm-hmm. we were able to put in place a lot of these these stay-at-home orders and a lot of these measures like, you know, uh, hospitals have canceled elective procedures. They basically cleared out the hospitals. Um and so those made made it so that we're not seeing, like, you know, huge rushes of patients right now. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm hearing from people is that the PPE, they call it PPE, it's personal protective equipment. That's stuff like masks, goggles, gowns, gloves, um, those, those clear, like, sort of stormtrooper face shields you see a lot of doctors wearing. That's all PPE. Um, and so right now they have enough as of, you know, the times I've talked to, you know, uh, last week when I was talking to doctors, they're worried it could run out because I wrote a story again last week that um, the head of the task force for the region's hospitals is still expecting that the surge is going to happen next week, like that the high point of patient need is going to happen next week Mm -hmm. or at the end of this week, maybe. Um, And so... uh, it is Monday. What's time anymore? But anyway, so so that means when it comes to personal protective equipment, um, they haven't run out. Um, but right now what they're doing is um, they're in sort of crisis mode, which means that the normal ways of using masks and whatnot are, are not in practice anymore. They're reusing masks more than they would. Um, I know that, which means that they're, they might wear a mask for a whole shift as opposed to you know, changing to a different mask per patient. Um, another thing that uh, hospitals are doing is I talked to some doctors that say they turn in their N95 mask at the end of the day and then they get sanitized and then they get them back the next day. Hmm. And I don't know exactly how the sanit- 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 the cleaning works. I, I think it has something to do with, with heat or spraying. I don't know how exactly it works, but they know they they... They get it back and it's sanitized and then they can use it again. Hmm. Um, I don't know how many hospitals around the region are doing that, but I talked to at least a couple doctors that say they're they're sending in masks at the end of the day and getting them back. Um, hmm. And those are those N95, those molded ones. That's not like a like a surgical mask, which are sort of the rectangle ones, but we're talking about N95s, which are those those molded ones with a lot of times they have like the yellow strings on them that, that you've probably heard about. The ones that are the most protective for people in these frontline hospital type situations. Those are the ones they're, they're right. using. Okay. And now, if you're a worker that's dealing with patients, you're going to be wearing an N95 just to, that because that's what keeps you the most safe and it blocks the most particles. Now, among the physicians that you talk to, you talk to Dr. Howie Mel, and he's an ER doctor mm-hmm. at St. Elizabeth's Hospital that's in O'Fallon, Illinois. And he told you uh, what he most fears. The idea of bringing something home that's going to hurt my family and that has, and that has this level of transmissibility, that's a new experience for me. 
And Dr. Mel actually told you that he used to be a firefighter, um, but he said this presents a new wrinkle. Fires don't chase firemen home, um, but this bug chases lots of folks home, and that's a new, that's a new reality. And that's, again, Dr. Howie Mel. He's an ER doctor at St. Elizabeth Hospital in O'Fallon. Um, so this fear of taking things home to their family, how much does this weigh on the doctors you talk to? Um, it's probably their biggest fear, um, from what I've heard from the doctors that I've talked to, is that, so doctors are used to all of this danger kind of like happening, or I don't even know danger. They're not used to an infectious disease like this, because, you know, even if somebody comes in and, you know, they might have a gunshot wound or they might be having a stroke or something. It's like those aren't transferable risks. And the worry about this particular disease is that it's transmittable even with people that aren't symptomatic. And so someone could come in with like a broken bone or something and they could they could have, you know, COVID-19 and not even show it. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the doctors are worried about like, I could get it from my job, I go home, and I give it to my wife. And that's not a risk that you're usually going to see in the emergency room. We're not, we don't usually see these incredibly infectious diseases. And when we do, even if it's something like Ebola, um, you know, that's a disease where uh, the, the people who spread it are symptomatic. You can easily tell who has it. And so the fact that it is con- very contagious and it's also uh sort of an invisible threat makes it that much more of a, of a scary situation for doctors mm-hmm. when it comes to their, their families. Well, I want to encourage everybody who's um, listening to this to um, go check out Sarah Fentum's report on this subject. It's at stlpublicradio.org, and you can hear from the voices of even more physicians that she talked to. Um, Sarah, I know health is your beat. That makes this a busy time for you. At the same time, these <laughs> physicians are so busy. Um, what are you looking for um, you know, in the coming weeks as you continue to stay on this beat? I am always looking for more people to talk to me. I know that um, usually I could just go out and kind of be looking around, but um, like most people right now, I'm under a stay-at-home order. I'm staying home to keep everybody safe and to keep my family safe. And so um, I have to rely a lot on sort of calling and people reaching out to me. And so if you are a if you're a healthcare worker or if you have any questions or any story ideas, I'd love to talk to you. And you can find all my information um, on the St. Louis Public Radio website. So I'd love to get in touch. Well, it's great to know you're on the story. I know you're going to stay on it, and I'm sure we'll have you back again soon. So, <laughs> Sarah Fenton, thank you for joining us today. Great. Thanks for having me. Bye. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.